Hello everyone and welcome to this exciting podcast masterclass on investing for beginners. I am beyond thrilled to have you all here today and I want to start by saying that you are making an incredible decision by taking the first step in learning about investing. Taking control over your finances and future is one of the most empowering things that you can do for yourself and I am so happy that I get to be here to help you get started on that journey. I'd like to dig in right away, but before we start, a small introduction. In this podcast masterclass, we'll cover the basics of investing, such as how does your money actually grow in a stock market? How do you protect your money from risk so that you don't end up losing money? And what types of ways are there to invest and what is the easy way to invest? Don't worry if not everything is 100% clear because it can be a lot of information at once. Don't expect to know everything there is about investing in one hour. However, this masterclass will give you the foundation that you need in order to limit the time that it's going to take you to learn how to invest by a lot. And if after the masterclass you decide that you want to keep going with your investment journey, keep listening because I have a super exciting offer for you at the end. So now get ready to learn about the exciting world of investing. Let's get started. Before we deep dive into the fundamentals, it is important for you to understand why you need to invest at all, because your financial goals are very closely tied to the manner in which you should be investing. Just to name a few financial goals, investing could be used to generate passive income, which means that you put in the work once and then keep generating more money from it. People who only rely on their income only have active income. The amount of money you make is directly tied to the number of hours you put in. And if you want to make more money, you're going to need to work more hours. With investing, you don't have to work more hours because you put your money to work for you. You could also be investing because you want to retire early. Have you ever heard of the FIRE movement? It stands for Financial Independence Retire Early, and it's a growing community of people who are investing as much as possible so that they can retire when they're 40 or 50 instead of having to wait until they're 65 or 70 even. Even if you're not looking to retire early, investing still is a crucial part of planning for retirement. It's crucial because a lot of governments around the world are facing increasing financial pressure to provide retirement support, which means that you don't really have any security about what your retirement will look like when it is your turn to retire. Aside from retirement, there's also shorter term financial goals that you could invest for, like taking a world trip or buying a house. And for parents, Investing can be a very smart way of setting aside money for your child's future. So the reason why I said that when you start investing, it's crucial for you to think about what kind of financial goals you're investing for first is because that this will determine your investing horizon. Your investing horizon is the amount of time that your money has to grow in the stock market because the longer the time, the more risk you can take. If you have a longer investment horizon, your money has more time to recover from any losses. And on the other hand, when you have a shorter investment horizon, your money should be invested in more low-risk options. Now that we've covered this very important first step of investing, we are going to dive deep into the fundamentals, starting with how your money actually grows in the stock market, which is due to a beautiful phenomenon called compound interest. Compound interest is a powerful tool that helps your money grow exponentially over time. It's like a snowball rolling down a hill, gathering more snow as it goes. So let me explain to you what compound interest exactly is. When you invest, you earn interest on the money that you've put in. And then on that interest, you also earn interest. And that goes on like that. 
So the longer your money stays in the market, the greater the effect of compound interest becomes. I know it's still a little bit vague, so let me give you an example. Let's say you invest $100 in the stock market at a 10% interest rate. After one year, you will have $110 because you just earned 10% on $100, which is $10. So you have $110. The following year, you don't just get interest on the $100 that you invested initially, but also on the $10 that you received in returns the previous year. So now you have $121. You got $11 of interest instead of $10. The money that you received increased and if you leave that money untouched for 30 years you'll have a whopping $1006. Without adding a dime to it your money became 10 times more than your initial investment. The key to compound interest is to start as early as possible because time is your greatest ally when it comes to compound interest. Don't wait until you have more money. Start investing now and let compound interest work its magic. Even if that means that you can only invest a little now, it's still better than waiting because the longer you wait, the more you have to invest to still reach a certain goal in time. In the investing world, we have a very famous saying, and that saying goes, time in the market beats timing the market. This means that it is more important to have a long-term investment strategy rather than trying to predict what the market is going to do on the short term and buy or sell based on those predictions. So trying to predict what the market is going to do would be like saying, oh, Apple is going to launch a new phone and I think that it's going to do very well, so I'm going to invest in Apple right now. That would be like trying to predict the stock market. And that has been proven to not work as well as just having a long-term passive investing strategy that does not require you at all to predict what a certain company is going to do. Let me give you an example of what investing can do for your money in practice. So let's say you want to invest $300 per month. Don't be put off by this number. It can be as low as $10 per month. This is just an example. And let's say you are going to invest that for 20 years. So every month you transfer $300 to your investment portfolio for 20 years. So after 20 years, you would have invested $72,000 from your own pocket. However, because you've invested it, what you would be left with, including your returns, would be $184,000. So that's two and a half times more money than you contributed from your pocket. However, and this is where the crazy part comes in, imagine that you don't invest for 20 years, but you do it for 30 years. So you only invest 10 years longer. In those 10 years, you keep contributing $300 per month, which means that you would be adding an additional $26,000 to your investment portfolio on top of the 72K that you invested in the first 20 years you would have added only 26K to your investment portfolio. However, the money that you would be left with is 490K. That is three times more than 10 years ago. And it's almost five times more than the money that you invested from your own pocket. So you invested 108K and including your returns, your money grew to 490K. That is the power of compound interest. The percentage of interest that I use for this calculation is 9% and the average of the stock market over the past 100 years has always been between 8 and 10%. 
So these are by no means risky or inflated numbers that I use in this calculations. They're very realistic and relatively safe numbers that I used. Just a disclaimer, don't think that you have to invest for 20 years. As I said, the longer your investment horizon, the more risk that you can take, and so you can make bigger returns. But there is different ways of investing for different investment horizons. If you only have a few years until you have to reach your goal, you can still invest, but you would invest in things that are more stable, so in more stable types of stocks or even bonds. And more stability means less returns. So you wouldn't be able to assume a 9% return rate, but you would still be able to make a return and thus you could still invest. Okay, I can hear you think. Well, all of that sounds great, but isn't there also a huge risk that I lose my money? And the answer to that is yes, if you don't do your research, if you jump on any hype that comes around, and if you invest in very risky assets, but the answer to that is also no, if you invest with a risk-reducing strategy. And that, my dear listeners, we call diversification. So diversification is the second foundational principle of investing that I want to talk to you about. Diversification is literally how we manage risk in investing. It means that you are spreading your money across a variety of different investments so that you're able to lower your risk of losing money if one investment performs poorly. Basically, it means not putting all of your eggs in one basket. There's different ways in which we can diversify. For example, we don't invest all of our money in one company. We would never do that because that makes us too dependent on what that one company does. We don't invest in one country because that would make us dependent on the economic situation in that country only. We don't invest in one industry but spread over different industries such as technology, healthcare, consumer goods. One sector could have times in which it's not doing so well, but if one sector isn't doing well, it doesn't mean that there aren't other sectors that are doing fine, and that's why we want exposure to as many of them. We don't want to invest in one type of asset class, so an asset class is just a fancy word for type of investment. A way to spread your investments could be by buying a few stocks, but also a few bonds, and even have some cash on hand. And cash, it just means money in your bank account that is not invested on anything. Bonds are loans to governments. And don't worry if you don't understand what all of this means. This is a little bit more expert level than is okay to fit in one masterclass. So these are things that I will talk about in the offer that I'm going to announce in, at the end of this podcast episode. However, um, for now, just know that bonds are loans to governments. And also, another way that we can diversify is by investing in different types of company sizes. Because small companies, they have the potential for a lot of growth, but they also have more risk because they just haven't proven themselves that much yet. Large cap companies on the other side are more stable and have already proven that they are able to make a profit. However, they often have already done a lot of their growing, so the potential for returns is a bit, is a bit less. And because of that, you want to balance between all of these types of investments and all of these characteristics that a company can have. And that's why we diversify. These are just a few ways in which you can diversify. And there is a lot more. The most important thing for you to know right now is that if you diversify, you create the perfect balance of a portfolio that can provide a stable long-term return 
and can withstand the ups and downs of the market. The amount that you should be diversifying also totally depends on your personal situation. For example, if I look at my portfolio, I am very heavily invested in the United States. For me, that is okay because I have a very long investing horizon. I don't expect that the entire US economy will be down for the coming 20 to 30 years. However, when I come closer to the end date of my investments, of the moment that I want to sell my investments and start accessing that money, I am going to want to change my portfolio a bit and spread it out more worldwide. Diversification is the most important concept in investing. And as I provide you with all of this information, I can hear you think, but Seppi, this sounds so hard. How am I supposed to know which companies in all the other countries there are I should invest in? I don't even know anything about the different industries that I can invest in in my country. And even if I did, all of this sounds like so much work to monitor. I completely understand why you would feel that way. I also felt this way when I first learned about investing. And even though I know a lot about investing now and I actually enjoy doing it, I still don't want to spend every day stuck to my computer just monitoring all of my investments. And luckily for us, there's this beautiful thing that makes it not necessary to do all of that. That beautiful thing, well, actually, it's two beautiful things. They are called ETFs and index funds. And these are funds that literally revolutionized the investing world because they gave people like us the access to it. People like us means just ordinary people like you and me who don't want to be glued to their computer monitor all day. So let me tell you about this beautiful thing called ETFs and index funds. But before I do so, I want to take a step back and talk a little bit about the traditional way of investing by picking stocks. Because when we pick stocks, we pick companies that we believe will do better than their peers in the long run. We see a potential in them and we want to ride that wave. But in order to do that, we need to research that company pretty well because we want to make the right decision. And a few things that you need to know about how we pick stocks is the way that we research them. We, for example, look at the financial health of a company. We look at the financial statements of the company to assess its profitability. We look at the trends in the industry that the company operates in. So how are the competitors of this company doing, for example? Because if the competitors are doing really well, then maybe our company is going to struggle with that in the future. And even though it's a good company itself, it's also important to understand how its competitors are doing. We want to know if the competitors are a threat. We want to know what the market size is that the company is operating in and the growth potential of the company. Because if we have a company that is doing great but is in a dying industry, let's say, for example, print newspaper, that might not be something that we want to invest in because that's a risk to our portfolio. We also want to look at the management of the company. What is the track record of the company? Do the shareholders of this company trust the management? Are they governing in an ethical way? And a lot of shareholders nowadays are questioning whether they should be investing in, for example, Tesla, even though Tesla is one of the most popular stocks amongst millennials still, they wonder if they can invest in a company whose management, in this case, Elon Musk, they don't stand behind. And this is a very important question for a shareholder to think about. 
So another thing that a, a potential shareholder wants to look at before they invest in a company is the value of the company. So if you split all the parts of the company and look at all their assets, all their machinery, everything that they own, how much would the company be worth? And this is, again, something that you have to deep dive into the company for in order to understand this. And so on and so forth. These are just a few examples of the things that you would look at as an investor, as a potential investor. And when you have picked the stock, you still need to monitor the companies to a certain extent in case there is bad news. So it's not like you pick your your individual stocks when you do stock picking once and are then done with it. You still need some you still need to monitor to see what happens on the market. And then in addition to all of this, you still need to apply diversification because you now know the importance of diversification and you need to make sure that your portfolio is balanced enough. The process of researching and monitoring you need to do for every stock that you own and if you want to diversify you can't just own a few stocks. On average a portfolio that is diversified enough contains about 20 stocks because anything more than that would be very hard to monitor but anything less than that would probably not be diversified well enough. So all of this, what I just told you is about picking stocks, right? Picking individual stocks. And I'm going to be honest about picking stocks. It sounds daunting. And I still believe that it is something that a lot of people can learn if they are really interested in investing. However, it does require you to enjoy investing, first of all, and be willing to spend a lot of your time into monitoring your investments because you need to monitor change. I personally enjoy investing a lot. I even made it into my business. However, even I mostly invest in ETFs and index funds and only a very small percentage of my portfolio I invest in individual stocks. So going on to ETFs and index funds, it's a mouthful to say both ETFs and index funds, so I'm going to stick with ETFs from now on. Know that ETFs and index funds have a lot of overlapping components and in a lot of cases they are actually the same thing. There are a few little differences between uh, ETFs and index funds, but for now, those are not important. It's a little bit more in depth and you only need to know that both of them are great and have a lot of similar components, as I said. So what are ETFs? ETFs are, okay, let's start somewhere else. Imagine that stocks are individual products that you buy at the grocery store, such as a carton of milk, a bag of apples, um, cereal, whatever you can think of. The same way as you can buy individual products in a grocery store, you can also buy individual stocks. However, you can also buy pre-made baskets of ingredients, and that is what a ETF is. So these pre-made baskets of groceries, they contain a variety of products, such as fruits, vegetables, dairy products. These baskets represent a diversified portfolio of assets, just like a ETF holds a basket of stocks or other assets. You can choose to buy all the ingredients separately, or you can just invest in a basket that already has all the ingredients you need without you having to stress over what recipe you're going to make. So that is what investing in ETFs is. ETFs are baskets filled with stocks. So we have different types of ETFs. One type of ETF is the ETF that tracks a index. 
An index is basically just a predefined list, list of companies that is used as a scoreboard to understand how the market is doing. So for example, in the United States, we have the S&P 500. This is literally just a list of the 500 biggest companies in the United States. And it is often used to say, hey, the S&P 500, it went up by 1%, meaning that the performance of the 500 biggest companies together went up 1%. There is a lot of indexes all over the world. So every country has one or even multiple like the United States, but there are also worldwide indexes. So what an ETF can do is it can track an index. And that means that, for example, if a ETF follows the S&P 500, it means that it buys the stocks of the 500 biggest US companies. And the only thing you have to do is invest in that ETF. Instead of buying all 500 companies of the S&P 500 and having to monitor all of them separately, you just buy one fund, one ETF, and you have all of those 500 companies in your portfolio, which means that you don't have to do the diversifying as much as you would when investing in individual stocks. So the amazing thing about this is that you can be very well diversified with just a few ETFs in your portfolio. For example, if we look at the S&P 500 and the industries that the companies of the S&P 500 are active in, we see that the S&P 500 contains companies from all 11 of the major industries that are identified often in the investment world. So uh, these are, for example, technology, healthcare, financials, consumer discretionary, industrials, communications, services, consumer staples, energy, utilities, real estate, and materials. I said, for example, but then I just listed all 11 of them. The point is that by buying just one ETF, you are getting yourself exposure to all 11 industries. Another huge advantage of ETFs is that when they follow an index, they are self-cleaning. What do I mean by self-cleaning? So if a company that is in the S&P 500 performs poorly for a long time, at some point it will stop being one of the 500 biggest companies of the United States. It's that simple. And so it will be removed from the S&P 500 index. And when it gets removed from the S&P 500 index, it also gets removed from the S&P 500 ETF. You don't need to monitor companies the inside of your funds because the ETF algorithm does everything for you. And by the way, do note that I keep saying S&P 500. This is just an example. And because because this is one of the biggest and most popular indexes, it's just a very nice and easy example to go to. But obviously there are a lot of ETFs also following different indexes that you can invest in. So Another type of ETF is a thematic ETF. So a thematic ETF is one that doesn't necessarily follow an index, but more so follows a theme. These are basically baskets that consist of companies within a certain industry that you pick or a certain theme, as I said. These types of ETFs are amazing if you are looking for ethical investment options. For example, you can have a clean energy ETF. Then you just have a basket with, for example, 100 companies in the clean energy sector. You can also have a female leadership ETF that contains companies with a female CEO or a ETF with companies that have good track records in treating their employees right. 
These are very amazing types of ethical ETFs. Another great thing that you can do with a thematic ETF is that if there is an industry that you believe will do super well in the coming years, instead of you having to go pick out a specific company in that industry, you can also just invest in the whole industry with an ETF. For example, I am currently looking into buying an artificial intelligence ETF because I love artificial intelligence. I think that it will be booming. By the way, this is not investment advice. This is my personal opinion and something that I'm looking into for myself. But I'm just trying to show you that a lot is possible. If there is a new kid on the block, a new technology, a new sector that you are very excited about, instead of you having to go pick out which exact company in that sector to invest in, you can just buy an ETF and invest in the entire sector. This is much more safe, especially when it comes to new up and coming industries. We don't really know what companies will do well in that industry. We don't really know which companies are going to have the most innovation. And so it's really great to be able to just invest in that whole industry instead of having to pick a company. I've already said some wonderful things about ETFs, but I am not done yet. Another reason why ETFs are so popular is because of their low transaction costs. So the reason that ETFs have very low transaction fees is because they are often passively managed. Do note that this does not count for every ETF, but a lot of ETFs, they are passively managed. And that basically means that everything is automated. It is either calculated with computers or algorithms. And so you don't have a fund manager who is on top of everything and whose salary you basically have to pay. So zooming in on this a little bit more, you need to know that a lot of people who invest but don't invest themselves because they don't want to learn, they don't have the time to learn or, or whatever other reason, they probably think that they can't learn, they invest in mutual funds. A mutual fund is the same concept as an ETF because it is also a basket of companies. However, there is one huge difference. There is a fund manager that is actually picking out which stocks go into that basket. So his job is to do all of those things that I just mentioned when talking about picking individual stocks, researching companies, reading financial reports, analyzing industries. Usually it's not even just a fund manager who does that, but a team of people. So a management team and all of those people's salaries need to be paid. And as an investor in a mutual fund, you are paying them in a form of management fees that will cost you a lot. Investors often don't see these fees because they are not paying them upfront. They are paying them in the form of their returns on their investment portfolio. And they don't realize that they're paying hundreds of thousands of returns. And this is not even, you know, when I say hundreds of thousands, you probably think, oh, you need to be really rich for that. But that is not the case. A 1% management fee can on the long run of 30 years already cost you hundreds of thousands. And that's why I always encourage people to learn how to invest themselves. The big difference with a passively managed ETF is that there is no one whose salary needs to be paid. As I said, it's all algorithms and computers and they do the self-cleaning I just talked about. And so the costs are much and much and much lower. 
And if this makes you think, yeah, but a professional investor has so much more knowledge and can probably get me better returns if I invest in a mutual fund or a fund that is actively managed instead of just investing in ETFs and index funds, I have to tell you that that assumption is wrong in most cases. Because statistics show that 80% of the professional fund managers do worse than a S&P 500 index fund. So the average of the S&P 500 has been between 8 to 10% returns per year. And most professional investors just don't make 8 to 10% of returns per year. So you're paying higher fees and you're getting less of a return. There is a really interesting story here that really well illustrates my point. It's the story of Warren Buffett and a hedge fund manager. So for those who don't know Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett is an American businessman and investor who is widely considered to be one of the most successful investors of all time. He's become a multi-billionaire through investing. So in 2007, Buffett made a famous bet with hedge fund manager named Ted Seeds. Seeds had been arguing that hedge funds, which are funds that are actively managed and often are a bit more risky and they often attract the more well-off rich person who wants to take that amount of risk. He argued that hedge funds are better investments than index funds. Buffett disagreed and offered to bet seeds 1 million that a index fund would outperform a group of five hedge funds over a 10 year period. Seeds accepted the bet and Buffett put his 1 million into a low cost index fund that tracked the S&P 500. Seeds picked a group of five hedge funds that he thought would do better. So what do you think happened? Over the next 10 years, the index fund performed much better than the hedge fund. By the time the bet ended in 2017, the index fund had gained 7.1% per year, while the hedge fund had gained an average of only 2.2% per year. So Buffett won the bet and Seeds had to donate 1 million to charity as a result, which is a very beautiful and good way to hold a bet with a rich person, I would say. Just make them give their money to charity. So the lesson of this bet is that over the long term, low cost index funds are often a much better investment choice than actively managed funds or stock picking in general. Warren Buffett himself has argued on multiple occasions that most investors are better off buying and holding a portfolio of low-cost index funds rather than trying to pick individual stocks or actively managed funds. He even has said that if he were to pass away before his wife, he would want her to put 90% of her inheritance into a low-cost index fund that tracks the S&P 500. So to sum it all up, ETFs and index funds, they're amazing investment options because they allow you to easily and effectively invest in a wide range of assets without the need for active management and time constraints, because who wants that? Having said all of this, I want to talk to you about one more thing that I want you to understand about investing, and it evolves around stock market crashes, because I know a lot of people fear investing because of stock market crashes. The reality is that the stock market has experienced hundreds of crashes throughout history. And after every crash ever, things have bounced back without an exception. 
I unfortunately cannot show you a graph through this podcast, but I'm going to explain to you what I see when I look at the historical price trend of the S&P 500. We see that the biggest crashes in the last 100 years always recovered, so we always recovered from every crash, and the stock price of all those companies in the S&P 500, they even rose further up after the crash. So they increased even further than the last price before the crash. So we have an historical trend of a market that is always going upwards. You don't have to be scared of crashes because it has always worked out for the people who have invested in a safe way. Those who have done their research on the companies they invest in and have, well, diversified their portfolio. Those who only invest money that they don't need for the next three years. So don't invest money that you need within three years because then the stock market doesn't have enough time to recover from crashes. So crashes are nothing more than a part of the natural cycle of investing. And it's not something to be afraid of. In fact, they can actually be seen as opportunities to buy stocks at a much lower price. It's basically sale. And, you know, if your favorite coat or the coat that you've been eyeing for a really long time is on sale, you're also not going to say, well, it's on sale right now, so I'm going to wait until it's back up higher in price you're going to buy it and that's exactly what crashes are do not fear them people who do lose money in stock market crashes are usually people who have not done their research and just jump on the bandwagon of every hype and trend that they see online and also people who have not diversified well enough but these are not things that are going to happen to you because you've already taken the first step into learning about how to invest safely So now, if you want to take the second, third, fourth, fifth, and final step, these are just random numbers, by the way. I do not know how many steps there are, but if you want to take the next step in your investing journey, I want to introduce to you my Easy Investor course. So my life's mission is to make investing as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. And one way that I'm doing that is by launching a program in which I will teach you to become the successful successful investor that you already are from the inside, but with the least amount of time and effort. So I'm going to teach you the passive way of investing in ETFs and index funds. So a few things that we are going to cover in this program is what types of assets are inside an ETF and an index fund and how do you decide what types to invest in because it's not enough to just understand what an ETF is you also need to understand what a ETF contains so you still need to understand things about stocks and all of this I'm going to explain to you in very easy and accessible language there is no need to fear that you won't understand it because you definitely will Another thing that we're going to talk about is how to create an investment strategy that will allow you to reach your financial goals. And we are going to make a financial plan. You're going to see exactly and understand exactly what it is that you need to be investing in order to reach the goals that you have. And even if you don't know what goals you want to have yet, there will be enough inspiration for that inside the course. We will also talk about how to decrease risk and make sure that your portfolio is the perfect balance between maximum returns and stressless nights. Uh, As I said before, once you want to exit the investment market because you have reached your investment goals, there is a different strategy that is necessary for that than when you have a lot of time left. This is the same 
for when you have a short investment horizon versus a long investment horizon. And these are all things that we were going to cover within the course. And I'm also going to talk to you about a lot of different things, such as how to pick a broker, how to reduce fees associated with investing. So how can you do it the cheapest way? How to budget for investing if you don't really have a lot of money left at the end of the month. We are going to talk about how to free up more money for investing. This topic you're actually going to get as a bonus additional to the course and another bonus that you're going to get is about how to invest ethically because if you're anything like me you want to align your val- your money with your values and I'm going to teach you exactly how to do that. I am not going to spend too much time talking about the contents of the course because it's going to be so extensive, it's going to be so life-changing and I think you can just look at the sales page if you're actually interested. Um, What I do want to say is that this course is very much designed to teach you how to invest passively. That will be the main focus of the course because I don't want to spend a lot of time on investing and I don't want you to spend a lot of time on investing. I want you to enjoy your other hobbies. There are three live Q&A sessions within the course. So every two weeks there is a opportunity for you to ask me questions. You can also send them in beforehand so that your question is going to be answered whether you can be there live or not and replays are always available. So we are going to start on May 29th and the pre-sale price is 300 euros excluding VAT if you live in the Netherlands. If you don't live in the Netherlands, I don't have to charge you VAT. This is approximately 330 US dollars and approximately 265 British pounds. So I'm just loosely converting here. It's best to double check how much the value is on the day that you purchase. However, up until the end of this week, I have a 10% extra discount code. So it's almost my birthday and I wanted to do a little something for my birthday. So I decided to give away 10% extra discount if you order before my birthday. It's with the checkout code empower. So you have to fill that in during checkout and it gives you 10% extra off, which is 30 euros approximately. And you can calculate how much that is in your own valuta. In dollars or pounds, it's also approximately 30. Okay, that concludes this podcast episode. If you want to know anything about the Easy Investor, you can find me on Instagram. I have a course highlight about it and an amazing sales page where you can read everything about it. I want to thank you for joining in and I hope to have you tune in next time as well.